when you think of Matthew 18, what do you think about? What's, you know, what's the thing that comes to your mind about Matthew 18? Say again. Church discipline, conflict resolution. Warren Wiersbe started off this uh, this uh, chapter in his uh, book about Matthew. He says, why do some of God's children have such a difficult time getting along with each other? And then he quotes a little poem. He said, to live above with the saints we love will certainly be glory. To live below with the saints we know, that's another story. <laughs> to live above with the saints we love will certainly be glory. To live below with the saints we know, well, that's another story. Well, there's a whole lot more in Matthew 18 than conflict resolution. But it is there, and we hopefully will get there to, to look at it. But there's just, just a whole lot more uh, than we have uh, in, in uh, chapter 18. Uh, let's look at it, and we'll begin reading, and let's read about the first... Uh, 10 verses and then we'll come back and talk about some of them. At that time the disciples came to Jesus and said who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child to himself and set him before them and he said truly I say to you unless you are converted and become like children you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven heaven and whoever receives one such child in my name receives me but whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to stumble it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and be thrown in the depths of the sea woe to the world who causes its stumbling block for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come but woe to the man through whom the stumbling block comes. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. Throw it from you. It's better for you to enter life cripple or lame than to have two hands and two feet to be cast into the eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be cast into a fiery hell. Verse 10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For if I say to you that there are angels in heaven continually seeing the face of my Father who is in heaven. Okay. Uh, just a couple of lessons back, you know. Um, we see that Jesus uh, was talking to uh, just on chapter 16 uh, verse 21 he said from that time Jesus began to show the, his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes be killed and raised on the third day 
And then another page back in my Bible, um, he says the same thing. Um, and uh, he says, And while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. We had the incidents where they uh, asked Jesus, you know, uh, about tax. Peter told him to go to the, uh, throw a hook in and bring the fish and open its mouth and pay. So with this backdrop of all the things that the Lord had done, and he's trying to tell these people that he's headed to the cross. But when we open up in chapter 18, it says, At this time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Makes you wonder if they understood a word he said, you know anything that he's talking about here who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven you turn over a page in my bible to chapter 20 and then the mother of the sons of zebedee which is james and john came to him and says what's your wish and he said that one of my sons will be sitting on the left and on the right and then then the other ten became indignant with his brothers. So, you know, what were they thinking? But Jesus, he didn't even answer their question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And this master storyteller said, bring me a child. Verse 2, And he called a child to himself and set before him. And they said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. If you become like children, we, we all love children. And, and Jesus is drawing an analogy here uh, of a child and how it is. Um, the selfishness of who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is paralleled by bring me this child. And unless you come by children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. An unspoiled child has trust, dependence, desire to make others happy, and the total absence of boasting and self-desire. The innocence of a child, we've all said that. And Jesus says, unless you have this total innocence of a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to be converted. 
He says that. Verse 3, unless you are converted and become like children, you, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So this humility has to take place. <clears throat> Verse 4, whoever then humbles himself as this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus doesn't answer him directly, but says, you bring me a child, he brought him a child, and he says this, pure innocence, and after you've been converted, total dependence and faith. Um, that's... That's what, it, that's what it's about. Then he goes on in verses uh, 1 there. He, he points out four, beginning with four things about children. Whoever then humbles himself as a child. Humility. Um, Wiersbe again says that uh, someone has accurately defined humility as the grace that when you know you have it, you've lost it. <laughs> True humility is not thinking merely of oneself. It is simply not thinking of oneself at all. Humility. So Jesus said, if you humble yourself as a child, he is the greatest in the kingdom. Verse 5, And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So first we need to humble ourselves as children. Two, we must receive such a one as a child. We've all, you know, uh, been around children and, and know that they trust us. Uh, they're innocent. They're going to put their faith in us. If we receive that trust, honestly, you know, Jesus says that's a good thing. And you receive me just like you receive this child. In verse 6 he says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. We can compare children with our brothers and sisters in Christ. As, as humbly a child is, as humbly as our fellow um, believers are, and it is very serious to put a stumbling block in the way of a child. It's just as, as dangerous to put a stumbling block in the way 
of a believer. True humility is building somebody up, not tearing them down. Skip down to verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. Little ones. Same word he uses um, in the other verses. See that you didn't despise one of these little ones. For I say unto you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Look at that word. Their angel in heaven continually sees the face of my Father who is in heaven. He said, you better be careful about going to the point where you despise a little one because their angel is continually before the Father. We've all talked about having angels. Our guardian angel in Scripture bears that out that we do have an angel. Uh, mine works overtime uh, to keep me out of trouble. But... Um, it's it's a devastating thing to uh, for this to happen. He said, "Don't don't despise one of these little ones because their angel is in the Father's presence all the time." Children, understanding where they are. Down in verse 14, Jesus talks about the 90 and 9, which we've talked about before, um, about to have a lost uh, sheep that's gone, and he searches and finds it. Uh, verse 13 says, If he finds it, he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 90 and 9 which have gone astray. Verse 14, So it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones perish. <clears throat> it's important, and, and I'm glad we got laughter in, in the halls because we missed that for a while. I'm glad we've got 20 or 30 went to youth camp. 26. 26 went to youth camp this week. The church, the local church, Jesus said, is like children. We need to, we need to bring them in. The facts show us that if we can lead a child to the Lord at a young age um, that's good because the older we get the more difficult it is for someone to be humble and open and honest and, and just allowing the Lord to come in their life so we need to as a church need to be faithful 
to do what we can do for the children and youth departments of our church. And I think we're, 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 we're trying to do that. And very gratefully, we've got some children and young people that we can minister to. And we need to pray for them. Pray, pray for their folks that minister to them, that they will be the parents that they can go to and trust and lean upon and, and learn uh, from Jesus through their parents. So it's very important that this humility that we have um, um, comes. Jesus put a couple of verses, eight and nine, here. If your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it from it. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out, cast it from you. Well, I don't think the Lord is uh, is talking about <laughs> uh, mutilating ourselves, but to be to be humble, we need to uh, we need to begin with self-examination that we we need the Lord and if we have a problem with our eyes or a problem with our with our <clears throat> what did he said our foot um, we need to do this self-examination that we will be truly humble humility comes with self-examination and that comes with self-denial Wiersbe says Jesus is not suggesting that we maim our bodies for harming our physical bodies can never change the spiritual condition of our hearts. Rather, he's instructing us to perform spiritual surgery on ourselves. Spiritual surgery on ourselves. That we may be like children. Like children. Pastor Bobby's been going through Acts and we know that the first church had problems. One of the first things that they had was the matter of being of being untruthful. We know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. We've taught it in this class and Pastor Bobby recently has reminded us that this thing of untruthfulness you know divides us and it needs to be dealt with in verse 15 16 and 17 is what we've known as church discipline and uh, let me read you this little bit from the message it's a paraphrase. It's not, it's not something you can argue scripture over, but it kind of helps us sometimes. This is verse 15 through, um, through 17. 
If a fellow believer hurts you, go tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witness will keep him honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you have to start from scratch. Confront him with the need of repentance and offer again God's loving love, forgiving love. So now let's read it in the other text that you have in front of you, verse 15. If your brother sins, go and show him your faults in private. If he listens to you, you have won a brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more of you, and so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he listens to them, excuse me, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Uh, Dr. Ryle, who I read, says this. He says, This passage is a beautiful instance of mingling wisdom with tender consideration of our Lord's teaching. What a knowledge is shown of human nature. Nothing does so much harm as to cause the cause of religion as quarrels of Christians. No stone should be left unturned, no trouble spared in order to prevent their being dragged before the public. What a delicate and thoughtfulness is shown for the, sensitive of the sensitivity of a pure human nature. Many a scandalous breach would have been prevented if we were more ready to practice the rule of just between the two of you. The church would indeed be happy. And if this portion of our Lord's teaching were more carefully studied and obeyed, differences and divisions there will be so long as the world stands, but many of them would be extinguished at once. If of course, if the course recommended in these verses were tried. Okay, let's look at this a little bit. If your brother sins, uh, your scripture may have against you. Go and show him your faults in private. If he listens to you, you have won a brother. We'll come in back to, to Matthew 18 in just a minute, but turn to Joshua chapter 22. And we'll... Joshua chapter 22. We'll look at a couple of passages there. Joshua 22, let's begin with verse 10. 
and you remember they had moved into the promised land and they had they had uh, conquered what they were supposed to do with some exceptions and Joshua had dismissed the three tribes of Reuben, Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh to go back across Jordan and uh, verse 10 it picks up when they came to the region of Jordan which is in the land of Canaan the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan and a large altar in appearance and the sons of Israel heard it said behold the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh have built an altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan on the side belonging to the sons of Israel when the sons of Israel heard of it the whole congregation of the sons of Israel gathered themselves to Shiloh to go up against them in war They built, they said so and so. I want to meet they sometime. <laughs> they. They heard it. They just they just heard it. Somebody saw the these three tribes gather some stones and built an altar there and they got up in arms and says we'll take them on they heard it look at verse 32 then Phinehas the son of Eliezer the priest and the leaders returned from the sons of uh, Reuben and Gad from the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan, the sons of Israel bought, brought back the words to them. And the word pleased the sons of Israel, and the sons of Israel blessed God. And they did not speak of going up against them in war anymore <clears throat> with the sons of Reuben, the sons of Gad, where they were living. Verse 34, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad called their altar witness. For they said, it is as a witness between us. That the God, that the Lord is God. What happened? It was a misunderstanding. They, we heard, got it wrong. They weren't rebelling at all. They were thankful for what they had and were just as an expression of their appreciation that the God is the Lord built this altar back to Matthew how many times maybe we have heard that they said was just a misunderstanding wasn't, wasn't nothing to it well I didn't do that I didn't say that um, 
And what does Jesus said? If you go to them in humility again and loving and approach them and <clears throat> they um, they say um, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. I'm the first to tell you that any rumor needs to be stamped out. Pastor Bobby has told you that from the pulpit, that if you hear any gossip, you better stop it. And it's your responsibility to go do it then. When, it, when I was at home, I was a member of the Gideon Camp in Bogalusa, Louisiana. It was about 30, 40 miles to the east, and on Sunday morning I would get up and go. Uh, um, I did this for a while, and then the trip got a little bit difficult, but I used to get up and go before early on Sunday morning and go to Gideon Camp in Bogalusa. And I knew these guys and, and knew who they were, and God was blessing. I got a phone call one day, and it said, Bill, whatever you're doing, we want you to go somewhere and pray. I'll call you back in a little bit. That's all they told me. They said, just go somewhere and pray. Well, what it was, was that one of the members of the Gideon camp, it came to their attention that he was having an affair. Not his wife. He was having an affair, and yet he was married. And they said, for the good of the Gideon camp, we need to nip this in the bud. So some of the guys went to see him, but the rest of us were praying. We didn't know what we were praying for at that point. But they went to see him. And it says, we have heard, is it true? And he says, yes, it's true. And then they prayed with him and says, brother, that's wrong. And we can't have you being a member of this Gideon camp if you're going to continue with that affair. But more than that, you've sinned against the Lord and your wife, as David confessed in Psalms 51. He says, you need to, you need to get right. The man agreed, confessed it, and right now I've forgotten what the ultimate end of the deal was. But they went to him, confronted him in humility and love, and says, you need, if this is true, you need to get right. And that's the way we need to do it anytime we hear something going on in the church or with one another. We need to for, you know, if it's sinned against you or if it's sinned against the church, we need in humility to go to him and say, what's this about? Don't let it fester. Don't let it uh, continue on. You just need to hit it head up and head on. And, and then, as Jesus says, verse 16, if he does not listen to you, 
take somebody with you. If if whatever it is, he doesn't he doesn't agree to repent, or if it's if it's you know just a mistake or a misunderstanding, he said, take somebody with you. That they can confirm what it is that was said. That's what Jesus said here. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two or more with you, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed. Go to him yourself. If he won't listen to you, if he won't, if it's true, if he won't repent, take somebody else with you that they may hear what he has to say. If he still won't repent, he said, take it to the church. Verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. Back to what the message says. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you have to start over from scratch. Confront him with a need of repentance and offer again God's loving, God's forgiving love. Part of, part of our timidity sometimes is that we're in the same boat. And we don't like to confront somebody else because of where we are. And shame on us. Shame on us. Discipline is not easy, you know. When we discipline our children, you know, sometimes we say, this hurts me worse than it hurts you. You've heard the child, what he said. He said, well, don't do it then, Daddy. You know? <laughs> but Scripture tells us that, that to discipline us, is what we need to do as natural parents and discipline in the church and the Lord chooses discipline. I mean, the whole issue of our Jewish friends, you know, from Rehoboam on, they denied the Lord and what's the first commandment? Love the Lord with all your heart and soul. Second commandment, don't make any image to anybody for anything God says be careful about these local girls they'll lead you astray and they did Rehoboam because of what Solomon did led them astray God was patient 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 and all of a sudden he said I've had enough and he says Nebuchadnezzar Assyria come whip them come whip them 
God's patient with us time and time and time again. But if we don't clean our act up, the Lord's going to deal with us. And if we have something against somebody, we need to go. It's, it, if your pro, uh, conscience is pricked that, that somebody has done me wrong or I have done somebody wrong, don't wait for him to come to you or you... You you go. You initiate it. You're the bigger person. It may be a misunderstanding. It may be the truth. And they may say, Bill, I understand. I thank you. I thank you for coming and showing me. And Jesus said, you've redeemed a friend at that point. You've redeemed a friend. You have won your brother. Well, thankfully, I don't know of anything right now in our church that we need to discipline anybody of. But we need to be careful because the Lord is not pleased if we go contrary to his word. In this day and time when there's so many conflicts and so many problems, and I've got to quit. Uh, we'll pick up here next week. There's a couple of things we want to look at next week. One of the big thing is forgiveness. So we'll, uh, we'll pick up with the rest of the chapter of 18 next week. Okay. Um,